This part of Music Tech, and I'm very proud to be here with uh, these wonderful guys. Uh, this hour is called Musical Instrument Innovations. Eric Friedner? Friedner? Eric Feidner. 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 Eric Feidner, Roland Lamb. Eric is from Steinway, uh, and Roland is from Roly Labs. And I'm a consultant for Roly Labs, but I'm also the keyboardist in Dream Theater, and I have a company called Wisdom Music. So it's a real pleasure to be here with these guys, because we're all very passionate about technology and about music and where it's all going. And uh, we have a lot of thoughts about it. We have a lot of products that uh, are coming out, and uh, we'd love to talk to you about it. So who wants to start? Would you like to uh, just get started and tell people a little bit about who you are and what you're sure. doing? Uh, so yeah, um, welcome everybody. Thank you all for um, coming here on a day that is like warm and sunny outside and very cool and frigid on the inside. Um, uh, it, no, but seriously, it's a pleasure to get to um, you know see some familiar faces and new faces here. Um, but for me, the greatest pleasure uh, is to get to be on stage both with Jordan, um, who's you know a re really old and dear friend of mine, um, uh, but also with Eric because um, I grew up playing on um, a Steinway piano, and I just it's it's probably like uh, my favorite product of all time. I just absolutely love like the commitment to um, quality and to tradition and integrity um, that like Steinway has stood for for um, for so long for all musical instruments and for pianos and um, so like for me it's just a total honor to get to be here talking about the future of music and innovation in music and musical instruments but in the context of um, a company that has like stood for what is great about musical tradition. So um, yeah, I mean, it, that's an honor and we'll be uh, happy to tell you more about the Seaboard, but because the Seaboard um, is kind of an evolution of the piano keyboard, maybe it makes more sense to start um, with you, Eric, hearing a little bit about your journey um, at Steinway. Sure, Roland, thank you very much for, uh, you, I mean, it's a great introduction, talking about Steinway, it saves, saves some of what I have to say. Um, <clears throat> but it's true. Steinway is a company that's 162 years old. We've been <clears throat> making pianos in our factory in Queens in New York um, for over 100 years. We also have a factory in Hamburg, Germany, also building pianos there for over 100 years. Um, this one company really building two different types of pianos, but we're in the process of bringing it together in other ways. 
the Steinway piano is used by 98% of concert pianists. It is the piano you're most likely to find on any concert stage around the world. If you go and look, you'll probably find a Steinway Model D uh, concert grand. So it is an instrument that, uh, for us, very long history, uh, handmade, great value, greatly appreciated by Steinway artists. Steinway artists, like Roland here, um, they own a Steinway. No, no, Roland's not the... Jordan is the surprise. But if you want to make me a Steinway artist, Eric, you can talk to me afterwards. I'm pretty good. Jordan actually... And you know if a free piano is in it, then you can tell make the change. Jordan actually is a Steinway artist. Steinway artists are artists who own Steinways, who endorse the Steinway piano, and who perform on Steinways wherever they're performing. So it's a wonderful thing for us to have this heritage and to have this market. Great pianists, great pianists know why they need a Steinway. They know that the Steinway piano is the finest grand piano, acoustic grand piano in the world. And it's the instrument for them that allows them to realize their art. It gives them the tools to get an emotional response from their audience. So it's, it's a really important thing. We don't really have to pitch the Steinway piano to great artists. When they're going to buy one, they basically are scheduling a selection. Our challenge with the acoustic piano business is that it's really been in decline for about 70 years. The turn of last, you know, it's a big issue year over year declines for the marketplace. Um, at the turn of the century, last century, the piano was the centerpiece of the home. It was the home entertainment system. Everyone learned to play the piano. That was your entertainment over time, of course. Um, many innovations along the way. The phonograph, the radio, television, computer, lots of other ways to spend your time. And a big part of uh, the reduction in the use of the piano. Also other instruments, electric guitars, um, so much less relevant to a broader group of people. So for us, um, and what our job now, my job really is to find ways to expand the market for the Steinway Grand Piano. And there's a few ways to do that. Some of it is simply um, just education in schools, getting younger people more engaged in the instrument. Maybe we'll hear more about that today. But for us, for our, um, our key business is selling Steinway Grand Pianos. And uh, those people that are great artists already know that they need them. As I mentioned, we don't really need to sell them on it. The big market for us to reach out to are people who can appreciate the music, can appreciate a Steinway, can appreciate the art, who have the means to purchase a Steinway. A Steinway is a very ex expensive instrument, considerably more than um, almost any other grand piano you could buy, but people who may not know how to play the piano. So what I'm going to show you, hopefully at the end of this session we're going to walk out. We have a Steinway Spirio around the corner, which is our new high-resolution player piano system. And it's meant to 
give us a new product to sell to this new group, consumers who can appreciate a Steinway, can afford a Steinway, but cannot play, and to give them an instrument that allows them to appreciate a Steinway in the same way that a great artist appreciates the Steinway. Something that will let them discover what an artist realizes in the instrument, which means we have to give them an instrument that plays by itself, which is what the player piano does, but plays at a very high level. So the Steinway Spirio is an instrument that comes with music embedded in it, but the music is all recorded at the highest level. It sounds exactly like a great performer playing your Steinway when it's in your home. That's the goal of the Steinway Spirio, showcasing the sound of the Steinway. So that's what we'll be able to hopefully go out and hear some of. It is the kind of thing that you really have to hear it to appreciate it. That is the whole point of the Steinway Spirio. Excellent. That's something I can add to your uh, experience of a Steinway when you're complete. I just, oh, more? Yeah, okay. Can I do that? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, this is the, I mean, this is sort of the, where we are in development. This is why, in terms of innovation for us, it's wonderful to hold this great place in the music space, in the instrument space with Steinway. In order for us to grow, we have to be innovative in a new way. It's a company that's been innovative in many ways over the last 162 years in how pianos have been built. For us, this is a, a new direction, innovating to reach really a new market for the first time. I have a couple quick Steinway uh, stories to add to that. Number right. one is I grew up uh, as a Juilliard student, and um, every room, every practice room had a Steinway in it, because Juilliard was all about Steinways. And when I left Juilliard and I grew up and it was time to, uh, to shop around for a piano, I tried all kinds of pianos, very nice pianos, different kinds, because Steinways are very expensive. So as a young person, didn't really have you know, the kind of money to necessarily get a Steinway. And all the pianos that I tried that were non-Steinway pianos, I honestly couldn't relate to as pianos in my mind. Yeah. It's a really very specific, a Steinway is a very specific sound. And when you're used to them, like I was used to them playing on them my whole life, I would play other instruments. I say, well, it's a very pretty sound, but it's not really a piano. So finally, uh, more recently, about eight, nine years ago, um, my wife and I finally decided that we that it was time to buy a really beautiful instrument. So I looked around and I looked around. People tried to sell me things that were not Steinway. Somebody showed me a Baldwin piano that was really very nice. And there were three octaves that sounded amazing. And then there were a few octaves that didn't sound like a piano to me. And I finally went to uh, one of the factories and I put my hands on a really beautiful Steinway. And I think my fingers got about halfway down and I knew even by that point, I think before the sound actually hit, that, that, was the, that it was the magic right there. And it was so obvious to me. And that's actually the piano that's in my living room right now. But the other story is that um, I just finished recording the new Dream Theater album. And uh, we had a great time. And it was, we did, wrote a lot of music. And it, we did some things that were very different. One of the things is we decided to have a really organic approach to the new album. And in the past albums with Dream Theater, kind of for ease and, and um, just convenience sake, I would use, for piano sounds, I would use some digital, you know, virtual instruments to do the piano. And it always sounded good. It was 
fine, good. Mm -hmm. But this time we said, you know what, let's do it differently. Let's go find a really beautiful Steinway. I was thinking about doing it at home, but that was not convenient. So I found a really great studio that had a wonderful Steinway. Anyway, to make a, a, a longer story short, so the experience of playing the, the real Steinway with the group was really unique and really, really special. But more, even more importantly than that, the way that the, the actual Steinway sounds with the other instruments and even by mm -hmm. itself, comparing it to all the other albums, it really does stand out. Even myself, who's a Steinway artist, didn't totally know the, the complete emotional sonic difference that it was gonna bring to the music. The way it sounds by itself, the way it mixes with other instruments, it's just a whole nother thing. So there is yeah, nothing like a Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, great validity for what I'm saying. As a non-pianist, but to hear it from a pianist, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, Eric, I'm curious to know, how did you guys come up with the idea for this um, uh, new approach to engaging with um, a broader range of consumers? And in the context of that idea, how did you think about kind of the meaning of the um, the Steinway brand and the 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 like relationship that so many people have with Steinway and what it is as an instrument and offering it in this new in this new format? Yeah, that's a good question. The I mean that's the issue. So you have a company with great heritage, um, great tradition, and one of the challenges because if you are me and you're introducing technology into a company that's been building pianos by hand in 19th century factories, 19th century style factories for a very long time. There are a lot of challenges there. So you have to respect the tradition of Steinway and the quality. Um, player pianos are not a new thing. They've been around for a long time. There were obviously paper piano rolls beginning of last century, and they were very popular. The player piano was a very extremely popular instrument, went out of favor, um, came back into existence about 25 years ago, the modern day player piano. So, and Steinway could have, could have gotten into the business at that point in time, but never really felt it was right. Wasn't right given what Steinway stands for. So it's really over this last 20 to 25 years of some of the technology existing before Steinway. Steinway sometimes moves in what we call Steinway time, which is much longer time frame than most companies that you work for here, um, to then get to the point where it's the correct time for Steinway to move into a technology-enabled piano, but for this good reason, that at this point in time, it makes sense because we need to expand the market for pianos in general. But if you're going to do that, to do it in a way that's completely on brand for Steinway. So as you'll see, all of the music, for instance, that is in the Steinway Spirio catalog is, for the most part, newly recorded by us over the last a uh, year and a half, all recorded um, with high resolution technology. So it really does sound just like the artist performing at the piano. Yeah, Steinway quality, the whole interface with the instrument, seamless, very easy to use, um, all showcasing, not lots, it's really not showcasing technology at all. It's all about showcasing 
what the Steinway piano sounds like or what the Steinway piano can sound like. Because as, as, you, as you mentioned, you could buy other brands. Lots of pianos look the same. Black, big black pieces of furniture, but the difference is the sound. Hey, um, I think it's a, a good time to kind of talk about how you have this amazing instrument like a Steinway piano and how history has kind of moved along and the Steinway remains the king of acoustic instruments, but along comes, uh, well, a very interesting time and a very interesting instrument. And it's so interesting for me to sit between you guys because you're representing Steinway, you're representing Rowley. The Steinway has an incredible sound. I grew up playing it, it's so beautiful, there's no denying. When I switched to synthesizers, I thought it was amazingly cool, I loved it. Everybody said to me, oh, they're cool, but you know, they're not organic, it's not really natural, it's not, you know, it's a whole argument. And, and I would always say, but it's so cool, it's great. And, it, and the synthesizers were great, but it was, it was easy for them to argue that it was not really organic because the technology had not come to a point where your touch, it didn't feel as natural as playing a Steinway piano. But personally, I have to say, that things have really changed. And the, the music technology today has gotten to a point where your touch is so meaningful to the, to the sound that you're making that that argument is completely blown out of the water, especially with my friend over here with his invention. He's gonna tell you all about it, but what he managed to do is kind of take an instrument the idea of a keyboard instrument, which you could think of in its simplest form, as you press a key down, you're starting the note and you lift up and the sound stops. And that's it. What happens in the magic of a piano is in the soundboard and the strings and the resonance in the room and all this incredible stuff and how you press those keys. But to move into technology and to create a new instrument, what Roland managed to do is create an instrument which is somewhat like a traditional keyboard, but it also is a little bit like a violin or a human voice because when your finger just touches the note, it's the beginning of the sonic experience. So what he was doing in his school by pouring silicone and creating this amazing thing that you had in your head is pretty amazing because to go from an instrument that's, you know, press the key, you lift it up, to something that's fluid, like a seaboard, is really unusual. And I'm really happy that you brought it to my house because I love it. <laughs> so tell us more about it. Thank you it. for that, Jordan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting because um, I think, uh, you know, we're all about music and you know there's a lot of uh, great people here today as well who are passionately engaged with making music making musical tools and instruments um, and um, it's interesting you know talking about um, Steinway as a company that's um, about keyboard culture and finding a way to um, share that culture more broadly with people in a contemporary way um, which is something that we're also trying to do um, but, um, you know, both, I think, with Steinway as a very traditional company and with, with Rolly as a company um, where, you know, a lot of the most innovative um, companies in the world look at what we're doing and they're like, that's not innovative, it's just crazy. Uh, uh, <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> because um, we are really trying to push the envelope. And um, this product, uh, the Seaboard, um, Really, this instrument, the Seaboard. The Seaboard is part of the the keyboard family. And you know, when um, interestingly, when the when the piano uh, forte was invented, there was a bunch of reviews written about it. Um, and uh, people said, 
Nobody's ever going to be able to play that. It's too difficult. You can't control. You you, you just can't control the the velocity touch. Like sometimes you hit it, it's too loud or it's too soft because they were used to playing on harpsichords and organs and other things. Um, and it was actually a long process developing the culture around the piano and developing the skill around the piano and also just developing the technology of how to make these instruments like in their most beautiful form. Um, but I think also. Uh, you know, when you look at the piano keyboard as a technology for um, playing new sounds, it's not necessarily optimized because, like, computers can can basically generate any kind of possible sound and synthesize them and sample them. Um, but a piano keyboard um, only allows like really one dimension of expression. So when you you move from like say an organ where where you really do just turn a note on or off to a piano forte. It was a big step forward because you were adding this dimension from piano to forte. Um, and as great pianists, you know, um, playing on a Steinway, it's that moment when you feel the expression, you feel the note that's really exciting. So the Seaboard uh, was an idea of extending the expressive possibilities, extending the dimensions of touch um, from one to, to now five different dimensions because um, I uh, thought about kind of the meaning of touch. And I, as a keyboard player, I'd sit at the piano and, and kind of play. But um, I always wanted to be able to make this sound more like my voice, like to actually have it swell or glissando or vibrato. But obviously, you can't do that on a piano. Um, so I thought about touch, and I thought about you know the fact that when you touch a surface, um, there's always a moment when you strike the surface. And then there's some level of pressure in the surface. Then you can glide um, from left to right, and you can slide um, up and down, and then you lift off the surface. Those are the five fundamental dimensions of touch in any surface. Anytime you ever touch anything, you, you touch things with those five dimensions of touch. So I thought, what if you could actually make an instrument that would allow you to control all five dimensions of touch, but using the same muscle memory that you had developed over years playing the piano? And that's how I came up with the idea for the Seaboard, which is a reinterpretation, kind of an evolution of the piano keyboard, um, which uh, allows you to control all those dimensions. So perhaps, Jordan, you can play a little bit on the Seaboard for people to, to show how those dimensions work. Sure. Um, this particular, I don't know if this one uses the, the lift-off, but it uses the others pretty well. I love this sound because you can press it really, really lightly, and it just will be like that. And I can lay into it. And keyboard you can really feel the pressure it's not like a traditional synthesizer keyboard where you reach the bottom of the key and you're kind of like pressing into the wood there's real feel here so and the vibrato is very natural if you've ever played like a, a violin or a guitar it's basically the same thing and the beauty of being able to control your own vibrato like that with that natural motion is such a powerful musical concept because you think about your favorite guitarist, your favorite violinists, it's all about, did they do that? You know, are they, is it really wide? You know, it's all about like how like sexy you can play in a way. It, it opened, having control of the pitch and the amplitude like that really opens every player up to the possibility of having a very unique voice. If I sit here and play this sound. somebody else 
who's a seaboardist come play it, they might vibrato different. It's going to sound very, very different. So what's cool is that you have the strike, like Roland was saying, and then you have the pressure, and you have the glide, and you also have the ability to the slide, so the vertical axis of the key also does something which is really, really cool. So in a way, it's a lot to think about, but in another way, you know, just from a musical point of view, you can play one note, and it's a whole amazing musical beautiful thing about it is that every um, key wave, we call them key waves because it's very fluid, it's not just a key, every note is, is completely independent. So let's play, I play a note like this, right, and I touch the key, and then I press into it, and get all this sonic activity, but if I press another note, I can hold that very lightly and press into the higher note and get the activity while leaving the other note alone and then bend. I can take two notes and bend them, leave one alone. Take the lower note. So having every finger be really its own world just offers you so much flexibility, like a, like a guitar or something. and bend them in different directions, like you can... And what I also love is the ability to play like a lead sound. I was, uh, one of the things I do when I go to London is I bug the guys about creating sounds that I can use in my world. But this is cool because, you know, keyboard players are used to playing leads with pitch and doing it actually with either a pitch wheel or a joystick, but on this instrument it's... It's all done with me waving to my fans, to my mother, whatever, with this hand while I'm playing a wild lead. And the other thing is if you're playing a traditional you know, keyboard synthesizer, you usually have the pitch wheel or the joystick set for a certain distance, maybe a whole step or an octave. But on the seaboard, there's no real limit like that. So if I want to be like super Steve Vai mode or Jeff Beck, I can play. important and flexible to be able to bend to any note you want and get there and be really in tune, which is, it's great. Yes, you can ask a question, yeah, I, sure. I was wondering, so how does that, can you, oh sorry. My, my question is, how does that, how's that work in a harmonic way? Like, can you, how do you, can you play chords and then not be out of tune with, because if you had a fretless guitar, it'd be kind of a right, disaster. Right, that's a very, very good question. So, um, let me answer it this way. Well, well, you're getting that ready. One of the sure. things that um, we we learned about, you know, the seaboard as we developed it from the first version to this version is um, it was really useful to be able to kind of turn on and turn off those dimensions of touch. Because for some cases, musically, and for some people, it was like, whoa, that's a lot to deal with. 
Um, so there's a, there's some controls on the um, on the side panel of the Seaboard Rise where you can actually, if you want to, you can turn off or turn down the amount of pitch bend. So you can create pitch rounding, for example. Like if you're playing a big chordal piece or strings or something and you want it to be perfectly in tune, you can have it like round to pitch more. Or if you're playing something that's like a, a um, sitar, you won't want that. You'll want it to be completely open in terms of the bend. Yeah, so you can go anywhere from a piano, completely locked in. So even if I, this, those of you who don't know, and I assume a lot of you have not seen this instrument, but there is uh, a rib, the equivalent of a ribbon on the top of the, of, the, um, of the key waves and a ribbon on the bottom, right? So with that, you can play notes as well. But you can go from completely chromatic like this, even though I'm sliding on the ribbon, it's not gonna play like a fretless, right? And when I play the piano, textures and soundscape stuff you were doing with yourself or is that only more is that more of a polyphonic setting is it just you, you know? have you have the total flexibility so um so when you're playing the notes with the soundscapes how do you are, are you able to bend certain things and, and not be out of tune or do you just not because okay that's a really good question one of the things that's that roland and i have been talking about since the beginning and we've been having the engineers implement is a whole kind of uh pitch intelligence because you want to be able to have the kind of sliding, but you also want to be able to play in tune. Absolutely. I was going to say, I think it's a great question, um, and it's something that's quite deep in the instrument, and um, actually the Seaboard's going to, is set up at Jordan's stand over there, and it might be worth after coming and, and having him actually show you the, because um, like, if you see it, then you'll, and you can uh, test it yourself. I, I was actually wondering, um, just to bring you back into the conversation, Eric, like, you know, seeing a sort of brief demo um, mm -hmm. of, of the Seaboard, and you can see it uses a sort of similar piano um, technique, but it's a completely different instrument. Um, like, how does that look to you from your perspective, you know, being at um, a, a company that really has held up standards of tradition and integrity for the piano playing community, this sort of very different take. What, what, what's your first impression? My first impression is it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a radically different take. We're perfecting, a, we've been perfecting an instrument for the last 160 years that's essentially the same, but to use uh, electronics to just approach the notes from so many different ways. It's, uh, I mean, it's fascinating. It's completely different. It's a uh, <clears throat> moving from the acoustic where it's things we can't really do in the acoustic world to the ele electronic world. Although it's kind of interesting because you you are bringing in sort of features of other acoustic instruments into the keyboard. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the. A uh, question it raises for me, and then it would be great to hear some other questions uh, from everybody as well, um, is, like, what's an instrument? You know, what, what, is it, what do we mean when we talk about a musical instrument and the kind of tradition um, that goes with that? And, um, and then what's innovation in, the, in that context? Because I feel like um, a musical instrument is not just a physical object. It's a... Um, 
it's a culture, it's a community, it's a group of people who have a, a certain kind of muscle memory, a certain relationship to sound, a relationship to other people. Um, you know, like when you said that, the, um, think of the piano as a kind of um, home entertainment system, I think it's a really good point. It was part of a, a whole kind of cultural um, tradition. There's a great book called Men, Women, and Pianos, and it's about how men and women related differently to the piano historically and what the piano meant in the home to women as an entertainment system, but also as a form of education and all kinds of other things. So like each instrument is really a culture, um, and cultures are notoriously difficult to innovate. Like it's, it's notoriously difficult to actually transform a culture. And um, yeah, I mean, I think it plays to the question about brand you know, of like, uh, uh, and, and all these different experiments, like can you change uh, um, a great um, culture, but one that is maybe um, on the decline to some extent because of new technologies, or can you invent a new culture um, successfully? Yeah, you know, yeah. and there's, there are constraints. We have, being an old company, we also have constraints, some of them from the artists. For instance, the Innovation has always been an important, important part of Steinway, um, but we usually don't talk about those innovations because people don't really want to know that the instrument's been changed or that you're changing the way that you make it. And on occasion, it can be um, a significant issue. We make a piano in New York that's different than the piano in Hamburg, and artists are used to those two different types of instruments. And at one point, um, and we use different actions, the, uh, the, the way the keys are built in both, in both factories. At one point, we switched in Hamburg to a New York action, which probably was an improvement. But unfortunately, from the artist's perspective, just seeing the different, seeing that it was a New York action in a Hamburg piano was an automatic, oh my god. This is a disaster. You ruined the sound of the Hamburg Steinway. And it was actually, we had to switch it back. So wow. there's, you, wow. you know, innovation can be, um, it's a very delicate thing with a company like Steinway. Yeah. We tried putting a New York um, piano action <laughs> in the C chord. I like it, but nobody else did. I wanted to say that I think it's important for this meeting that you know, we're talking about Steinways, the traditional, and like the seaboard, which is completely like an evolution of, of a keyboard. Um, I've been in, very involved with different companies and seen a lot of technology, a lot of really great ideas from a lot of smart people. Um, creating all kinds of instruments, instruments with weird buttons, instruments that create visuals, instruments that you hold in different ways, and a lot of them are wonderful and they're great and they have great ideas. But the problem, if you will, with, with these things is that if you, pick, if you decide to go forward with something that's very left of center, that's very non-traditional, it creates uh, an issue in that First of all, people don't really want to relearn an entire, entirely new instrument. It's hard enough for people to come up to a seaboard that play piano and say, oh, wow, you know, you know, some people take to it really fast, other people, you know, maybe a little bit slower. But if you give them something that they've never seen before, well, then they're like, 
I don't have time for that. I'll never, I'll never learn that. Which is, in a way, a shame, because there's some really great instruments out there, wonderful things. Like um, one of the instruments that I play that I absolutely love is called a continuum that does the kind of thing where you can uh, go on vertical touch and you can, you can slide from left to right. And it's a beautiful instrument, but I don't think it has the life of something that uses a traditional form factor like the seaboard. And one of the reasons that I'm like here is because I, I really believe in what, like, you know, we're doing it roly and taking a traditional form factor and really pushing it forward and kind of like helping to, you know, do something that I think will really change the history of, of music making. So it's important when we're thinking about new instruments, like why do some of these things, why does the thing that looks like a globe that you concentrate on and you're, you know, moving your fingers and your nose and it's really, really cool, but it's not, it doesn't necessarily have, it's not necessarily going to have the impact on the future as something that uses tradition and moves forward. Yeah. Mm. Um, do, you, do we have some questions out here? I had a question about the Roly. Are the sounds in it only Roly sounds, or can you use it as a controller to other virtual instruments that would, of course, have to be designed for the type of interactivity that the, that the Roly and the Seaboard support? So um, the Seaboard uh, can work with all different kinds of sound engines. Um, we have created a sound engine for the Seaboard called Equator, which is like a dedicated sound engine that can fully take advantage of those five dimensions of touch and allow you to really go in and map all of the different parameters. Um, and you can you know, put it into other sort of hosts and run it in DAWs and whatnot. Um, but actually now an increasing number, you can use it with all different kinds of other uh, sound engines and an increasing number um, are supporting some new protocols that are designed for these more expressive kinds of MIDI controllers. Um, so there's, a, uh, there's actually um, a new protocol now called MPE um, for multi-dimensional polyphonic expression um, that uh, a lot of um, like uh, GarageBand and Logic supports it, Bitwig supports it, Cubase supports it. A lot of other plugins support it, like with Zebra and you know a whole bunch of other like Uhey synths and and the list goes on and on. Um, so there's kind of a movement in the industry right now towards supporting this. Hey there. Um, this is a question for Eric. Um, and I, I mean every for most musicians like a Steinway, such an aspirational, amazing instrument with a huge legacy and. When I think of technology in the Spirio, I, I can't get this idea of like a really unsexy OS update out of my head. So how have you kind of taken that same, what people expect from a Steinway interaction and made that part of the interaction of the user experience? From a yeah, and, the, and that's the tricky part. Um, balancing what the expectations are of Steinway with the new. And since really the Spirio is designed for it's basically a whole new market. So it's, it is a different twist. It's a different positioning for Steinway. It's relatively radical given our history to try to do something like this. So I think we are right on the edge there with an instrument that looks exactly like an acoustic piano. It does not have any features on the outside that are technology related. There's not a there's not a box on the front with LED lights or anything like that. Um, and it's really much more about music and not technology. That's the balance that we're trying to create in delivering a new instrument for a new market based on the heritage. I don't know if that answers the question clearly enough, but 
sorry, how do you maintain that kind of approach in your, in, I, I guess I'm trying to get more at the extent to the sense of like, you're sitting around the table with a bunch of developers and designers and you're like, right. this is our product. So how do we make sure that when people look at the app or the interface, it's like people still know. It's essentially, it's a brand question. Yeah, and yeah. it's a brand question. And, and honestly, in the last couple of years at Steinway, we're transforming from a company that was managed um, as independent business units around the world, sort of the, this North American company that built pianos and sold pianos in North America, and then people in Europe building and selling pianos in the rest of the world to a globally managed company where we're integrating globally what we're doing and particularly the brand so that the brand around the world is presented the same way. So um, from um, organizationally, um, we've put a tremendous amount of effort into global marketing for Steinway and how we position really everything we do. And there's a lot rolling out over the next couple of years from a brand perspective, <clears throat> from the instrument down to how our retail stores look. And Spirio is meant to fit right into that and actually built right into a lot of the positioning we have um, across the board for everything we're, we're doing in marketing through to retail. Um, I think uh, we may have time for one more question, but we, we also want to uh, leave a little bit of time because there's one more instrument up here that we haven't talked about. And um, one of the things that has made the biggest impact uh, on um, really on music is, is computers and new mobile technology. And Jordan, um, you know, in addition to being a Steinway artist and a Roly artist and, and just a great all-around artist and person, <laughs> um, also develops his own instruments um, and uh, has been for years. And some of you may have heard him talk a little bit about it upstairs. Um, but he's about to launch like a truly expressive um, iPad app. And I thought um, it'd be nice to maybe go out and hear that. So maybe we take one last question, Jordan, and then you can play us out. Could, could we, I think there was one. Could yeah. we possibly get two questions? Yeah. She's been waiting. Um, sure. She wants to know if the Seaboard, are there any artists currently performing with the Seaboard or touring with the Seaboard? Uh, yeah, actually. I mean, there's, there's a number of different artists. Uh, Jordan uh, has, uh, I think you used it on. Used it on my new record. Yeah, I just yeah. used it on the new Dream Theater record. Um, and A.R. Um, A.R. Rahman um, did a world tour with a Seaboard Grand, um, and uh, there's a lot of other artists now who are recording with it. In fact, um, if any of you guys checked out Duran Duran's new um, latest single, um, it features a lot of Seaboard in, in the video and in the single, and uh, yes, a Snarky Puppy, and actually, it's a pretty long list of artists who are now also recording. Um, with a seaboard, so I think in the, in the coming months we'll see a lot of um, cool new music kind of coming out that's been um, made with the seaboard. Thank you for that question. Yeah, as you were talking about musical instruments being sort of revolutionary and uh, disruptive, I kept thinking of the electric guitar. I feel like that's the last one to super make a revolution. A bunch of music comes out of that, and you're an artist who can sort of perform on an instrument like this. Um, in addition to sort of adoption, like there's also like this cool factor. And uh, I'm wondering if sort of that was like, I don't know, this is a weird question, but uh, in, in the design, is there like a, 
well, physicality that you no, thought that, about? That's or? a great question, actually, because you know the first thing that I think people notice, both as a player and as somebody like listening or watching, is that there's a big cool factor to the way that the seaboard is being played, to the kind of touch, you know, doing vibrato, to sliding on it. It's very physical and very tactile, so it really has all that, which is very much what the guitar is about, which kind of is a good um, transition to closing it and showing you a little bit about this new app that I'm working on. It's not out yet, but it's called GeoShred. And what's, what's uh, interesting about it is it's based on a physically modeled guitar. And one of the things that we're doing is um, we're uh, taking the idea of a guitar and going into all the parameters, but trying to create something that's truly organic and really, really playable on a multi-touch surface. And this is what I've been doing for years now. And uh, I have to smile when I play my new app because it does something just like a guitar. It's a little bit like an uncontrollable beast in a way because it will do really natural feedback. So like this sound is really mellow, but it, let's stand up and play it. But it kind of shows you the concept. So uh, on each key, I can each of these vertical spaces is a, is a note, and I can play and express. So as I move my finger, it's bringing in the note, but when I do, as well. So very briefly, in addition to that, it's really, really playable. So you can fly on the thing. So I could play something like these notes. Right? Repeat that pattern and actually move through the entire range of the instrument. Slide in a fret. You can slide in a fretless way, like. I like that. Impressive. Yeah. So. Um, uh, yeah, thanks to everyone so much for coming. We know that um, if, you're, if you've been here for the full hour, you either love music or you love air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's going to be more music and more air conditioning outside where you can check out um, uh, the wonderful new uh, piano that um, Eric's brought to show us. And also at Jordan Stand um, uh, in the hall over there where you can come and check out GeoShred um, and the Seaboard. So once again, um, thanks everyone so much for coming and spending this time with us. Thank you so much, everybody. I think we have, we have about a, a 10 minute window sort of between um, events around the corner where the Spirio is. If you'd like to join us, I'm gonna do a quick sort of 10, 10 minute demonstration of, of what the Spirio can, can do. Awesome.